Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 116, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because God inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on God as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord protects the simple. When I was brought low, God saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I kept my faith even when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my consternation, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all God's bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all God's people. Sermons are uh, sometimes interpretations of scripture. Sometimes they are comments on scripture. Sometimes they are inspired and infused with scripture. Sometimes scripture is more of a uh, kind of runway off which the sermon ascends, kind of platform or inspiration or warrant for a sermon. Today's sermon as part of a Advent series on who is this Jesus for whom we wait is one of those sermons sort of launched from the scriptures heard. Psalm 116 that you just heard, a kind of expression of what is a core emotion or inspiration toward faith in the midst of the world around us, confusing and full of intrigue. We recognize that God is always at work within us. What can we give the God for all that God has given us? We receive even more. And this passage from the New Testament today, just two verses from the book First John, the kind of inspiration and affirmation underneath all that we do and who we are as people of faith. Hear the word of God. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. 
Unless you're a tax accountant and it's the first couple of weeks of April, let me venture a guess that this might be the busiest time of the year for you. And if it's not so busy for you at this time of your life, maybe you can remember years in which it was. Shall I go down the list? I think I won't, but maybe you can feel it. The church calls this time Advent, preparing for Christmas. Television calls this the festive holiday season. Even non-Christians are in the swing. It is so busy that it, it can't even be held between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day anymore. We now start it in at Halloween. But as active as this time of the year can feel and as full as our calendars and our to-do lists might be or as much help as you might need from various professionals supporting you in your day-to-day -day activities, I want to say something to you today that you might find strange about these days. At first hearing, you might think me a bit daft. You might disagree with me or even think me just off base. But hear me out. As active as we might be this time of year. I actually think that this tends to be a very passive time for us, at least for most of us. And its busyness is part of why it is, in fact, so passive. What do I mean? Well, let me start by saying that it seems to me that more than any other time of year, the balance between freedom and obligation sways all the way over to obligation during these weeks. That's one reason. Another reason I say this about this being a passive time of year is because I think that we have made this time of year into a time of grand spectacle. And as a third reason, I want to say this because I, I think that we've made this time of year in sometimes a, a time that creates more anxiety than it does hope. And each of those things, obligation, spectacle, and anxiety, can distract us from the story that this whole time of year is supposed to be about, which is the story of God among us in Christ, here to heal, to redeem, to restore, to serve, to forgive, and to save. Let me say a little more about those things that make us more passive than the story might want us to be. Let's talk about obligation. Maybe the pace of your professional life is different, but I'm thinking about our personal lives, our family lives, our community lives. What time of year is more full of shoulds and musts and time to get that done and got to do this for that person and for this group and do we have any time free for that and what is the day that that was scheduled on and I wish I'd done that earlier and 
maybe we just can't do that this year and just need to apologize and what time is that thing again and oops forgot that and why do I do this to myself every year? Anybody? That's not to say that all these things that we do don't bring their share of pleasure and even joy. They certainly can. But let's be honest. They don't always bring as much pleasure or inspiration or connection or joy as they promise to. It's not your fault. The Christmas system is rigged. It's rigged toward habit, custom, expectation, and obligation. So much so that the nice surprises that come along the way, and they do come, and the delightful encounters or events or conversations or invitations or decisions we make that do come, they often don't get the attention that they deserve i got to follow up on that next year. And then I don't. But the story we celebrate is about the single and first totally genuinely unprecedented event since the beginning of all time. An ordinary birth that was as we have come to know it, God. A time that should be about preparing to be surprised can so easily become all about preparing for what's on the list. A time that should be about freedom and discovery so easily, at least for me, becomes about getting it all done. We do our best, but it just happens. And then there's spectacle. Have you ever noticed how much time we spend this time of year looking, beholding, and watching? So much of our enjoyment of this time of year is about spectacle. We decorate everything. We fill every empty spot with displays and tableaus searching around in closets to find garland and the ornaments and pictures and remembering how we do it. Yesterday, my wife Lynn came to me and said, where do we put the lights? We still don't have the lights. Our house may be without lights this year. Cable networks trip over each other to produce new Christmas movies, 18 on one network, 30 on another, all designed to make you binge watch. Special stage productions, store displays, pageants in churches and community centers. I love them all and I support every single one of them that I can. Special music repeated over and over again as spectacles for the ears. Scents of pine and cinnamon and clove and mulled cider as spectacles for the nose. Even our food is decorated. Much of the spectacle is beautiful, and sometimes it's very moving. 
I dare to say that we'll experience that this very afternoon here at Pinnacle with our annual celebration of Christmas for which so many have labored so hard to present, to move, inspire, and lead us in worship. And then there are the blow-up Santas and the polar bears holding up bottles of Coca-Cola. The bottom line is that our senses are filled, even overfilled, with taking things in. So much so that we can be tempted to pull ourselves back from it all just a bit, to just look, watch, but protect ourselves at a kind of distance from it all. We watch a lot, but don't take much in. We see the story of Christmas on display, but don't really remember it. We highlight the sweeter and the easier parts, and we forget the power and the politics and the wonder and, and the intimacy that the story describes. We lose the thread that this story is the story of our salvation unfolding in time, not produced, not arranged, not pulled from the closet, and not put away when it's all done. It, it's the story of the beginning of our redemption in Christ that the world didn't see, but that still has the power to change us and change the world. The story we are telling is, is not designed to be passively observed from a distance. It implicates us. It involves us. It, it inspires us in new ways. It, it does everything that we saw done in our children's message today. Everybody's in the manger, for goodness sake, even you. It turns assumptions upside down in ways that we just can't stage. And so that third thought about this season, that it can also be an anxious time, I guess that can come because of all of the obligations and all of the spectacle and all of the busyness. For with all that the season brings, it also brings a a whole set of expectations about how we are supposed to feel as we go through it. Sometimes those expectations are met or surpassed. Sometimes we're sadly disappointed or even betrayed. Our loneliness can be heightened. Our poverty can cut deeper. Our separation from people we love whether through distance or alienation or death or hurt, can feel wider. Our sometimes quiet indifference to the very one whose birth this is all meant to be about can kind of sneak in from the side and maybe leave us wondering why we do all of this anyway. Not always. Not entirely, not everyone, but sometimes, some ways, some of us, 
Our fourth Advent Vespers this year will be called, in fact, the longest night for just this reason. Some churches call services that, such as we will hold on the fourth, the final Wednesday of Advent, Blue Christmas services. Ours will be led by Reverend Kuberian, and it'll be a service of remembering and giving to God the shadows of this season, the sadnesses of this season, the anxieties of this season, asking for perspective and for healing and for renewal. It'll be an important moment as we move toward Christmas. For all of these things, our obligations, the spectacle of it all, the anxieties that it can sometimes feed, they can distract us from the promise of Christmas. We all live through it in one way or another. But let me ask you, even as I'm asking myself, to simply remember that somewhere inside all of this, this time right now wants to be a time that frees us to be surprised by God. It's a time that includes us in the story of God's healing, saving grace in Jesus and that reassures us of what is always already true, that life in Christ settles inspires, reorients, renews, and redeems what is lost and what is overspent and what destroys our hope. This is a time that is meant to give life, not sap it. It's meant to recenter us, not distract us. It is meant to turn our eyes toward a vulnerable world that is hungry for direction, not preoccupy us with things that don't do that. It's Advent after all. Mary is great with child and the Holy Family are, are doing their best to get to Bethlehem. And the wise men are over in Iran listening and watching for just a single star to light their way to hope. And someone is laying straw in a hidden little manger that in a few weeks will hold a baby. And we are gently asked to come along and join in. And to join in ways that make sense in our world and in our lives. I make a mistake in this pulpit whenever I tell you that Advent is a time in which we are preparing for Christmas. That way of seeing things just feeds the passivity and distraction that I was just trying to talk about. I, I apologize for saying that. This time is not preparation. This is it. This is Christmas. Christmas is now. Advent is the heart of it. When we get to, to Christmas, we recognize everything that's happening because we know it. This time is the time of faith. And this time is the time of healing. And this time is the time when our redemption is drawing nigh. This time is rehearsal for what Christmas asks of us, meant to develop in us a sense of eagerness for what God wants for all things at all times, let this time seed in you joy and peace and purpose. 
Let this time make broken things whole. Let this time help you see the world in new ways. This is a time to lift up your heads and look. This is a time to simplify, to say yes to the right things and no thanks to the things that matter less. This is a time to step forward and not back, to get in the picture, not just observe it, to touch the figurines and pick up the baby and take up the ornament, touch it again and ponder it, and find yourself in the story and reap its benefits. This is the time to do a bit less waiting and a lot more receiving, a bit less imagining for later and a lot more acting for Christ now, a bit less worrying and a lot more accepting and thanking, a bit less consuming and a lot more giving and praying and loving and listening and helping and healing the world. This is the time to experience God giving God's self to us for our care and our encouragement and our salvation from what would deplete us. This is the time when the Lord of all creation becomes the firstborn of all places and all moments and all the passions of our lives. If we just lift our heads, look up, and notice. Amen.